Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. You know, Zechariah, everybody, chapter 7 and verse 8 to 10 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts said, dispense true justice, everybody at Global Heart Church, everybody who's new to church, and practice kindness and compassion, each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. So the Bible's teaching us here in the Old Testament, everybody, that we need to be dispensing true justice. And the Bible just goes on to say that it's kindness and compassion. One of the greatest things you can have in life is to develop the ability to be empathic, have empathy for other people. A lot of people can never get in the shoes and feel for other people, but one of the greatest human qualities you can have, and you can develop it, is to put yourself in the place of other people and to feel and sense their suffering and, uh, and ask God to help you feel it and sense it so that you then can do what he's asking you to do with that, that uh, suffering and that difficulty. You know, in Isaiah, God goes on, and all through the Old Testament, uh, God starts speaking into the whole area of the poor. And by the way, once again, we need to know in world history, um, it wasn't until Jesus arrived that anybody cared for the poor. In the, in the Greco-Roman world, which I talked about again on Friday, is that, you know, the, the people who gave were the rich, the rich, and the rich gave to the rich. And they gave to the rich to be seen to be this person of wealth giving, aren't they a good person? A bit like our virtue signaling today. So long as you look the part, then you are the part. No, no, God wants reality of the part, not looking the part. And so they would give to the wealthy and also in the hope that if they lost their own money, the wealthy would give back to them. So the poor were ignored. And uh, an actual fact too, if you go into... Uh, into many countries in Asia where uh, there's certain New Age religions and uh, teachings, they did not care for the poor at all. In actual fact, they just thought if you were poor, it was uh, something you did in your past life, bad karma. Now you're paying for what you did in the last past life. How cruel is that? You see people suffering in Asia and, in, and, and everybody's walking past going, oh, wow, you must have been bad in the last life. And, uh, and the cruelty of it is that person never knows what they did to get in this position to be poor and destitute and sick in this life. How do they ever find out? They don't know. And, uh, but I want to tell you that in the middle of that, what they call reincarnation cycle, which is not the Bible, is the fact that God took your sin, your suffering so seriously that he sent his only son to die for it. God sent his only son to die for you. And that's how seriously he takes our suffering and what we've been through that he sent his only son. So in Isaiah 1, there's a verse there, verse 13, where God says to the people, they're offering uh, sacrifice, they're doing fasting, they're doing all kinds of things. And then God says, bring me no more of your meaningless offerings. <laughs> wow. In actual fact, one translation says, bring me no more of your vain offerings. He said, you're basically bringing me offerings because it makes you look good when you come to the temple to honour me. So it's actually not about me, it's about you. And he said, I'm tired of your meaningless offerings. I don't like them. Stop bringing them to me. And in verse 16, he says, wash and make yourselves clean. What does that mean? Repent. Change your heart. Soften your heart, God's saying. 
Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. And then he nails what justice is again. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Speak the case of the widow. So God's saying to defend the oppressed means speak up. Talk. You need to speak up for those who are oppressed. You need to speak up for the fatherless. You need to speak up for the orphan. And that's what I've been trying to do for years now is speak up. Not be silent because we live here in Australia, where, by the way, if you were born in this country, you won the lottery. Congratulations to all the Aussies who won the lottery. And all the Kiwis came over, and they got the ticket as well. (laughs) Now, if you're born in Australia or New Zealand, you are very blessed, right? And we had nothing to do with that. We just won the lottery by being born here, which placed us in the top 3% of people uh, in the world economically. And so do you know what? I really want us in our church here, and we need to, can I, can I even be so bold to say, we need to model it for other churches, is that we in the West kind of need to come out of the coma, the Christian coma as well, of obsession about ourselves when so many children and so many women in particular, men too, are suffering incredibly around the world. Suffering incredibly. And, uh, you know, and I don't want to have a go at any of the pastors who put out nice, positive books, but there's so many in this motivational Christian world of, you know, along the lines of living your life the best way, become the biggest you, become the greatest you. And I just want to go, bleh. <laughs> and I'm going to get in trouble from somebody. Please don't email me. Email Pastor Spencer. Anyway. Um, and I'm just like, look, we are living the best life now. Being born here now, you're living the best life. You have opportunities that so many people don't have. And when they're saying to more, more and more to Western Christians, oh my gosh, live a better life, live an amazing life, go to another level, I'm like, no, no, shush. Get these people to give their money to those who don't even live at this level. They're not even at level one of the, of the rung. So we need to say, right, speak up talk, which is I'm doing now, and even want you to, if you're visiting today from somewhere else, take it back and say, hey, we're living our best life. Top 3%, we're there. Stop talking about that, Christians and pastors, and start talking about, let's help those who are living not anything that looks like life, and let's help them with their suffering and their difficulty. And as you heard with Justin, there's many children uh, around the world, but also in, particularly in the rural areas in Rwanda, where they are walking to get water for kilometers. And they're not turning on a tap uh, near their house. They're going to walk like um, Pacific, who is one of our sponsored children today. So we're going to see that the Lord says, um, also further on in Isaiah, they were fasting, waiting on God, And the people said in Isaiah 58, verse 3, why have we fasted and you've not seen it? (laughs) In verse 3 of Isaiah 58, they're like, why are we fasting, God? And you're not like, you know, you're not kind of responding to us. And really, you should be saying, we're great. We fasted. And and God goes on, verse 6, he says, is not this the fast that I've chosen? This is the fast I want, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and you... Break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him or her, not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily. Wow, there's even healing in bringing justice. And your righteousness shall go before you. And I love this. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. 
So God's saying, when you look after the poor, when you minister, when you help, when you start living your best life, which is helping them, God says, I will be your rear guard. God goes, I've got you, I'll be behind you, and I'll back you as you go forward in life in Jesus' name. So everybody, God is calling us and telling us, listen, this is true Christianity. The Passion Translation said, true spirituality is that is pure in the eyes of Father God is to make a difference in the lives of orphans and widows. So, and actually it goes on in Isaiah and other passages, and here's the bottom line that God is saying. Here's the bottom line. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. God is saying, if you think that you have a relationship with me and you are not looking after the poor and the orphan, you are mistaken. God is saying to all Christians, if you think, and not yet Christians, if you think you have a relationship with me and you are not looking after the poor and the orphan, you are mistaken. You, you don't have a relationship. You may be saved, <laughs> but you don't have a relationship with me. And he says, until you are doing this, you are actually doing stuff that I don't care less about. Everybody, it's like when you get a Father's Day present and it's that same pair of socks again. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's the same socks again. Anyway, <laughs> listen, sometimes we're giving God things that he doesn't care about. He's not interested in it. We think, well, Lord, I did this. And God goes, so? Lord, I did this. Well, we need to say, Lord, I want to give you what you're interested in, Lord. And I want to do your will. Galatians 2.9, when Paul got sent out, I talked to Steve about this a while ago and said, uh, you know, it's a good while ago, but I'd never, I don't think I'd even, even seen these verses and suddenly I read them and went, oh my gosh. And it's where Paul gets sent out with Barnabas and he's being sent out by the apostles and it says, and recognize the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who are reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they, be, and they to the circumcised, which is the Jewish. And look at verse 10. The, they only ask us to remember the poor. And I love what Paul says. He says, the very thing I was also eager to do. Oh my gosh, I hadn't seen, I just don't know how I'd miss that. He gets sent out and the apostles commission him, go and help the poor. As he's going to preach the gospel, help the poor. They commission him to do that. And then Paul's response is, it's not one of the things... I'll get around to it sometime when I'm living my best life. He said, it's the very thing I was eager to do. It's the very thing. It's the most important thing that I was eager to do. And so they went out and ministered to the poor. Everyone, God has called us to be advocates. What's that? Defenders, promoters of God's cause, supporters of the orphan, supporters of the poor, and loose the chains, their chains of injustice. Leviticus 24, 22, look at this verse I found. Oh my gosh, this is huge. Oh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, my own message is getting me born again or something, I don't know. It says, you shall have the same law for the stranger and for one from your own country, for I am the Lord your God. I need to tell some politicians in our country right now God's word. Because God says, you shall have the same law for the stranger and for the one from your own country. So what does God's word actually say? Anybody who comes to this nation suffering, you treat them the same as you would your own family. Don't you tell me the Christian God is the same as every other God. Don't even go there. Not even close. 
Jesus comes into that Jewish world and says, when they're all as men, men leadership, and Jesus says, I stand with the widow and the orphan. They're like, what? They lost their minds. And now Jesus, we're going to have in Leviticus right here, where everybody's like working out what to do with the refugees. And then Jesus comes along and says, treat them like you treat your own family. This is what Jesus says. So we need to have a little training course for some of the governments of the world, including our own. Now, obviously, you don't have people in the country who are doing illegal things. But the Bible's telling us, treat the stranger as you would your own countrymen. Wow. 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 Treat the children of this nation as you would your own children, if God calls you there. Let me just affirm again, everybody, God has given us the privilege and the honour of serving the children of Rwanda. Some of you are sponsoring children around the world. I just commend you wherever you're sponsoring children. Thank God for you. But I want to just tell you right now, God has given us the privilege and honour of serving the nation of Rwanda. And uh, there is no greater privilege. And we are serving a nation that suffered a terrible genocide, unbelievably painful, unbelievably difficult. And... We need to keep praying for the nation because there's no nation like Rwanda. And then God calls us to that nation. Now, what do I mean by that? There are nations who have suffered, but Rwanda has suffered at such a degree and level. But here is the thing. The Rwandese are all working to forgive the people who killed their families. They're working to do it. And today, if you go to Rwanda, not only are they working to do it, and it's only 27 years later, and what they're doing is now working with people who murdered their family. They've welcomed people back to the village who murdered their family. You have some people's children marrying people who are part of murdering their family. What people on the earth does this? Who are these people? When I'm in Rwanda, I'm like, who are you? Where did you come from? <laughs> My Irish family. We still got people we don't talk about. I don't think they did anything, but we don't talk about them. <laughs> don't mention them. And, you know, they're cut off. And, you know, and, and my Irish family, not every Irish family, my one, we'll, we'll forgive you, but we won't forget you. And they go to Rwanda, and not everybody is fully there in their forgiveness. How could you be? It's so hard, so difficult. Many are on a journey still, but so many are forgiving these people. Forgiving them, then doing life, and then putting them into the government alongside the leader who rescued those being killed. And then they, he now says, come into the government with me. Like, <laughs> who does that? What people? The Rwandans are the most underrated story on this planet. Most underrated story on this planet. They are the most underrated people in the world because I don't know anybody else who can do anything like they're doing. And I told you the, you know, one of the stories with just with, I was with him and some friends and, and I just said to them, I don't know how you don't just hate these people. And then one of them goes to me, but pastor, reminding me, <laughs> you're a pastor. <laughs> I needed reminding. Because when I'm hearing it, it makes me so mad that this has happened. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And I was just being Australian and went, look, listen, tell the truth. You must hate them really, right? No one will say it. And then I go, 
And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you know, this pastor needs to get saved, really. I just want to know how. One guy I met once, he'd lost 79 members of his family. 79. And then, and I'll never forget, they said to me that day, they've taken so much from us. They've taken our family. They've taken these people from us. And then they said to me, we won't let them have any more. They won't take any more space in our heart, in our thinking. We'll give them nothing. And then they said to me, Pastor Jared, even if they come down the street now today to kill us, we forgive them. I know you fainted. Like, and they weren't joking. They weren't, they were, we forgive them. I just went, Lord, every offense, every unforgiveness I've ever had, please forgive me, I'm a complete dog. <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? It helped me to give everything to God, I'll tell you that much. That nation has taught me so much. That nation has changed me. The people have blessed my life more than I or we have ever blessed them. And I pray that many of you through your child sponsorship in time will come to the beautiful land of a thousand hills to be, to imbibe of the spirit and heart of the most underrated people on planet earth or the Rwandans in church. Just honor you. Many of you know who you are. You're in our service this morning. I just honor you because you are unbelievable. And I thank God for you. You know, one of the boys got sponsored. I'm out of time now, but one of the boys who got sponsored by one of the guys in church, I'll never forget, he was right out in a rural area. His father had died from sickness. And um, he came in. He was absolutely glowing. He was 15 years old. And um, he came in, and I think it was Robbie Damianovich was sponsoring him. I'll never forget, he walked up to Robbie, and he said to Robbie, who sponsored him, this is the greatest day of my life to meet you. And Robbie goes, Robbie goes, huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, it's the greatest day of my life to meet you. And I said, Robbie, he's not joking. It's the greatest day of his life. Because that, that boy, who's now 15, lost his dad, alone with his mom, very rural area, but he went to school, his life changed, all the things that come with sponsorship, medical, pastoral support, community, nutrition, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and he was like, he hugged Robbie. I'd never seen anybody get a hug like Robbie got from that boy who was saying, it's the greatest day, what an honor to meet the person who has helped me so much. Everybody, God has called us to be generous. He's called us to live our best life which is helping others just live. I'm praying that every child you sponsor won't just live. But as we get older here at Global Heart Church, as we go along, as we get smarter, that we'll say, Lord, what do we need to do now to help the children move from sponsorship like Justin has, but more and more of them to move into what you've called them to do. One other story here from somebody in our church. There was a boy, he uh, finished high school, very tall boy, and somebody had sponsored... Um, one child in the mother's family of eight children. So eight children and one sponsor. Mum was so grateful, so gracious. She's living in a small house. And then I said to the boy, how did your maths results go in school? And he said, oh, I'm the top of my year. And I said, so in Rwanda, how's your math results? He said, well, they said to me, I'm probably in the top 1%. So I was like, wow. So then he said, 
I said, um, so what are you going to do job-wise or study-wise? And he said, well, I have no opportunity because he says, I want to work in economics. And he said, there's just no opportunity. And, he, and I said, but study, he says, no opportunity. So he was now basically finished high school and was going to sit down. And somebody in our church said, who was sponsoring that child, I'll pay his university. I think it was like 3000 a year. They paid three or four years of his university. He's now high up in economics, high up in a company, ready for this. I go back with compassion and he's on the compassion leadership program. So, yeah. So he doesn't know, but I snuck in because I saw him and I sat at the back like this. He doesn't know to this day. And he began to speak with such authority, such leadership. Now moving on to finance and economics. And I'm sitting there and all I can see is him at his parents' small house with no opportunity. And then somebody here said, I can do it. And now he's in the leadership program speaking. He's going to be a leader in his nation. He's moving into the whole financial sector. And all I can see is him finished high school and somebody from our church said, I'll pay for your fees and I'll get you into your destiny. And so his brother got sponsored. Now he has gone on into his career. Isn't that living your best life? (laughs) Isn't that living your best life? Everybody. Take a step of faith. Miracles happen when we have faith. The only reason you don't see miracles is because you won't take a step of faith. The only reason you don't see miracles is because you won't surrender to God. The only reason you don't get the right partner is you keep trying to hang on to the one that God never put his hand on. The only reason is because you're trying to control the whole deal. The miracles happen when you say, God, I let go. Hello, I let go. I surrender. That's the only reason you don't see the miracles because you need to operate by faith and you need to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I surrender. And God will say, sponsor another child, do this. And when you do it, you begin to be part of the miracle that is incredible. Who would think out of 1,075 children, when we sponsored Justin, number one of the 1,075, and by the way, it's gone down, everybody, from about 11.50 because children graduating from the program and also some people have let children go. Please don't let a child go ever. They get told that you are not sponsoring them any longer and you need to talk to our compassion advocates because we want to keep you on the journey with that child. Nothing worse than that child hearing that you let them go for the cost of a burger basically a week. So let's let's be there and also be letter writing. Everybody, letter writing is so important. We need to help the children and they feel loved and feel so, so valued when you write a letter. A lot of the, in the rural areas, life is quite small, but your words mean so much. Last couple of thoughts. Wow, and I need to finish. You know, in Luke 6, the Bible says in verse 20, I just saw that this week, it says, Jesus, looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now you can easily skim over that scripture. Just leave it there for a minute, guys. You can easily skim over it. But in actual fact, in actual fact, God was talking, sorry, Jesus, God, was talking to business people. He's talking to fishermen and Matthew, tax collector, who was unpopular due to his financial status, which was rich. And, uh, and Jesus looks at the disciples and says, blessed are you who are poor. He's talking about the double-sidedness of poor, financial and then spiritual. And he's saying to the disciples, blessed are you. Because you realize you're poor, 
And now the kingdom of heaven is yours. So everybody, listen, last thought. The only reason you're not saved and not a Christian and don't walk in God's power is you don't yet realize you're bankrupt. You're bankrupt. You have nothing. The moment God begins to move in your life is when you go, God, I got nothing. God, without you, I can't do it. God, without you, I, can't, I don't work. God, without you, I'm lost. God, without you, I'm empty. God, without you, I, I'm hopeless. God, without you. And then God goes, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. The moment you would put your hand up and say, I'm poor, I need God. God goes, blessed are you because the kingdom is coming to your house. In my poverty, all those years ago, 2006, I'm walking along and you can ask Sue, when I met Justin, he only spoke French then in Kenya Wanda. And I said to Sue, there's something with this kid. Next trip, I go back and I'm, we've now got 200 kids. And I see Justin again, meet all the other kids. And I go to Sue, there's something with this kid. And Sue's like, what do you mean? I go, I don't know, it's the Holy Spirit. God, tell me. Next trip, I'm like, Excuse me, compassion people. Who's this kid? I know I sponsored him, but there's something about this kid. Holy Spirit was telling me, even then, what you're doing is actually not sponsoring a child. You're part of my destiny plan for his life. Pastor Jared, this is actually not about you. It's about him. And it's always been about him, which is still is about him. <laughs> I'm just the donkey. The anointed one is to my left. He's Rwandan and about 27 years old. And God's using him now. Everybody, you may just be the donkey. But the good news is the donkey still gets to go to Jerusalem. Have a great life. Have a great life. Come on, can we just stand to our feet? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.